Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, hopefully your mom did what my mom did. Your mom ever warned you about getting mixed in with the wrong crowd? Is that a phrase? If you never heard that, chances are you were the wrong crowd that everybody else's parents were warning you against. Uh, so my mom used to tell me that, Nathan, I don't want you to get mixed up with the wrong crowd. Uh, don't, don't get mixed in with the wrong group of people. Don't, don't, don't get mixed in with this group of people that might push you away uh, from what you're supposed to be doing. I don't want you to get mixed up with the wrong crowd. Like my parents, I know this is old school, um, my parents like, used to tell me who I could and couldn't hang out with. Like there were some people where like my mom just would not let me hang out with them. I remember one time there was this uh, girl that I thought about dating uh, and uh, like I was in eighth grade, so I don't even know what dating means. And, uh, and so, and I told my mom, I said, I think I like this girl. And uh, she said, Nathan, you're not gonna hang out with that girl. And like, you, listen, you, Mama Klein, she don't mess around. Like she would tell us what to do. And I know some of y'all are thinking, oh, well, you need to just let your kids love whoever they want to. And that's totally fine because in 15 years, when you're at your Thanksgiving table and, and your son is married to a psychodrama queen, it won't be my fault, okay? My mom told me, he's like, you don't need to be hanging out with her. That's not the type of crowd you want to be around, Nathan. Uh, I remember in high school, she kept doing the same thing. Anytime I wanted to go somewhere, I would tell my mom, hey, I'm going to, you know, go hang out at, at some place. My mom didn't care where I was going, and my mom did not care what I would be doing. It was one question. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be there? Because my mom knew the people that were around me would dictate the environment that we were in. My mom knew that you can be in the right place at the right time with the wrong crowd, and everything can go south. And she knew that I could be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the right people and I would still be okay. And so she stayed on top of that. Like Mama Klein, there, well, you couldn't get anything past Mama Klein. I, I remember there was times where I would challenge her on this. And I'm sure you've been there before, but like, there, there would be some time in, in my life where I wanted to go and do something and all of my friends were doing it. And so I asked my mom, I was like, mom, I, I want to go, I want to go do this with all of these friends. And she would say no. And I would make the mistake. You've probably been here. I'd make the mistake. I'd look at my mom and say, yeah, but mom, like everybody else is doing it. Now, what'd your mom say when you said that to her? Y'all got any bridges around y'all's house? <laughs> My mom would say, Nathan, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? And the answer was no, but I couldn't say that because that would mean she was right. And so I would just pretend like I didn't know she was talking about. And so I would just come at it from a different angle. I'd be like, well, mom, Robert, Robert was a good friend of mine. Good kid, good influence. I said, mom, Robert's mom's letting him go. (laughs) You know what my mom said? Well, I'm not Robert's mom. Do I look like Robert's mom to you? No, I'm not Robert's mom. I'm Nathan's mom. Robert can go because Robert's mom said he could go. Nathan's not going because I'm Nathan's mom and what I say goes. And that's how Mama Klein rolled. Like she knew the people that you are around, your squad makes an impact. Now something interesting happens as we get later on in life. When we get to college or maybe become an adult, all of a sudden we don't think that applies to us anymore. 
You know, we'll warn kids about hanging out with people because they'll influence you and they'll impact your future. And, and we'll talk to that about middle schoolers and high schoolers. But somehow, when you turn 21, all of a sudden, who you surround yourself with doesn't matter, doesn't change you, doesn't affect you, doesn't impact you at all. And it's just wrong. The people that you surround yourself with have an absolute impact on what happens in your life. That's, that's what this whole series is about. We're, we, we're talking about the squad in, in the Bible. And I, I know your mama told you, like, don't get mixed up in the wrong crowd. But, like, your mama didn't make that up. She actually stole that from the Bible. Because King Solomon says in Proverbs 13, he says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. See, that's where your mama got that from. Like the Nathan Klein version is, hang out with smart people and you'll be smart. Surround yourself with idiots, and you'll be an idiot. Like, it's just that simple. Like, it doesn't matter what track your life is on. If you surround yourself with those people that are going in the wrong direction, then you're going to follow them down that path. And so we got, we got four people as we talk about the squad. Last week, uh, here, here's your squad goals. If you're looking at who's my friendships, who do I have around me, these relationships. Number one, you need someone above you. That's a mentor. You need someone beside you. That's an encourager, that's a, that's a cheerleader. You need someone below you who is an apprentice, someone you're investing in, and then you need people around you. You need a family. Last week, we talked about the importance of having a mentor in your life spiritually. So many people have a career coach and, and like goals in these different areas and people that invest in them. You got a, a, a tutor that tutors you academically. You got a baseball coach that helps you get better, a dance coach, a music teacher. But what about your spiritual life? Do you have anybody that's investing in you? And, and this week, I want to talk about the apprentice. I want to talk about, do you have anybody in your life that is right below you that you're investing in? Someone that you're pouring into, someone that you're trying to, to help. I took my girls out to, uh, to Chili's the other day. Lydia wanted to go somewhere fancy. And uh, <laughs> anywhere that serves appetizers is fancy in her book. And so we roll up into Chili's and get the unlimited nachos and uh, for the appetizer. And the, the lady comes up to my table and um, she's asking us what we want to drink. And there's a, a waitress, but there's another girl with her. And her name's Jennifer and she has a badge that says, in training. And the waitress comes up to me and says, hey, hey, my name's, my name's Robin and, and this is Jennifer. She's in training, so she's going to be helping me today. So Jennifer is sitting there and looking at everything Robin does, everything she says, how she refills the drinks, how she takes the orders, how she interacts with the customers, how she brings the food out, how she brings the check and processes everything. It's a mentor and an apprentice. It happens all the time. Teachers, when you go back to school tomorrow, you're going to have like 25 apprentices in your room, people that you're investing in. If you're a coach, you have a team full of apprentices. If you're a parent, you have a household full of apprentices, your kids that you're investing in. And so that's actually, the Bible talks a lot about what it means to have someone that you are investing in, that you're pouring your life into. So whether you're a, a parent or a coach or a, or a teacher or, man, just someone that has a little brother or a little sister spiritually in your life. The Bible tells us a lot about what it means to have this all-important relationship. So every person in here ought to have someone below them that they're investing in, that they're pouring into. And the Apostle Paul actually gives us five key things 
to look for when you have an apprentice, someone in your life that you're investing in. So if you're taking notes, I want you to jot these down. Five things from the book of First and Second Timothy. Paul writes this letter to his most famous protege. Timothy was a guy in his early 20s who pastored a church of thousands of people. Like this dude was a, like a big time leader, had a lot of potential. But Paul was actually the one that mentored him the one that invested in him and got Timothy to where he was at. Here's what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul looks at Timothy and says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. Way before he was a famous pastor, way before he was a great communicator and this, this excellent leader, Timothy was like a little snotty-nosed five-year-old running around the house. And Paul says, you had a mother and a grandmother that invested in you. Hey, parents, you got a great opportunity to invest in your kids spiritually. Paul says the success that you're seeing in your relationship with God now is directly connected to the influence you had from your mom and from your grandmother. It started way before Paul picked up the the baton and began to lead Timothy. His mom and his grandmother began to invest in him. And over these next few verses, we get to see these these five areas where Paul says, if you focus on these things, if you're going to have an apprentice, Paul, this is what he did with Timothy. This is what we need to do with people in this relationship that are below us. Number one, jot this down. Number one, very important thing to do when you're advising, when you're pouring into, when you're investing into an apprentice is this. You need to affirm their gifts. Paul did this with Timothy. He affirmed Timothy's gifts. The very next verse, it says, this this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Paul reminds Timothy, hey, Timothy, I don't know if you remember this, but a long time ago, I saw that you had a gift. I saw you had a talent. Like I saw this little, little spark that was inside of you. And and Paul has what what I like to call the the I see in you conversations. Four letters, I see in you. Paul said to Timothy, I see in you a gift. God has blessed you with something. I see in you a gift. Man, you're great at, at that music. You got a great voice. Man, you just got a gift around people. You have a gift around kids. Man, like this is just, hey, don't don't ignore that. Like God has given you that. God has placed that in you. Like that's a talent. That's That's a gift. And one of the things I've learned about leadership is oftentimes leaders will identify gifts in people even before the people know they have them. You gotta call it out in them. What I see in you is this. God's got his hand on you. God's gonna use your life in a really powerful way. And you know how encouraging it is for, for someone to speak that kind of life over you? To be a, a young guy and, or a young gal and to have people look at you and say, I believe in you. I believe God's gonna use you to do something incredible. I believe that you can change the world. I believe God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. That's what Paul did. He affirmed the gifts that was in Timothy. How often are you looking at your your spiritually young brothers and sisters and the people that you're mentoring and, and they're your apprentices and you're looking and saying, hey, I see something in you. Call it out in them. And, and affirm their gifts. Second thing that Paul does in this important relationship is Paul helps Timothy to eliminate excuses. Five ways that you can help an apprentice not only affirm their gifts, but number two, help them eliminate excuses. The very next verse says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, 
but of power and of love and of self-discipline. You might not know this about Timothy, but Timothy had a thousand excuses as to why God could not use him in his life. Timothy was the king of the yeah, but. You know any yeah, but people? They always got an excuse. You'll say, yeah, but. That, that was Timothy. Every time Paul said something, Timothy jumped in and was like, yeah, but. Look at Acts 16. Did you know that Timothy was biracial? Uh, Timothy's mom was a Jew and his dad was a Gentile. Now here's the deal. All Jews hated Gentiles and all Gentiles hated Jews. But if you were in the middle, everybody hated you. <laughs> like, like if you were mixed like that, then you weren't Jewish enough for the Jewish people and you weren't Gentile enough for the Gentile people. Everybody hated you. And that was Timothy. He came from a mixed home. He, he came from a, a place where he didn't belong. Anywhere he went, he was always an outsider. And Timothy said, yeah, but my mom's a Jew and my dad's a, a Gentile. Like, I don't fit in anywhere. And Paul's like, no, we're going to eliminate that excuse. God can still use you. Throws up another excuse. Uh, you, you just heard it in those verses. Uh, Timothy didn't have a father figure growing up. Did you hear when Paul said, you got all these spiritual people in your life that are helping you? He listed his mom and his grandmother. And Timothy could have piped up and said, yeah, but I grew up without a dad. I grew up without a fatherly influence. I don't have a spiritual father in my life. And so, like, I got daddy issues. <laughs> and that could have been an excuse that Timothy used. Yeah, but I don't have this. Yeah, but I don't have what, yeah, but I didn't have that influence. And Paul's like, nope, you're not going to have that. Man, I'll step, I'll be a spiritual father to you. I'll help you understand what it means to be a man that's a leader, that's a pastor that loves God. I'll do that. Eliminating excuses. Do you know Timothy had health issues? He had, a, he had an ongoing health situation. We, we read that in the Bible in 1 Timothy 5, 23. Uh, now listen, I'm going to calm down before I read this. I don't want this to be your life verse or whatever. Uh, but Timothy actually gets some medical advice from Paul. It's like Paul puts on his robe. And in 1 Timothy 5, <laughs> 5.13, he tells Timothy, he said, Timothy, you know what? It, it'd probably be good for you if you drank a glass of wine every day. Okay, so calm down. Everybody wanting a new life verse. That's not what he's talking about. Timothy had stomach ailments so bad, like the pain was so bad. Paul was like, man, like wine had medicinal purposes back in that day. And so he was just like, Timothy, man, I feel so bad for you. You're hurting so bad. You can't kick this physical ailment like what if you just, before you went to bed at night, what if you just tried to take a sip of wine? Maybe that would help. And Timothy would have looked at Paul and said, yeah, but I got health issues. Yeah, but I'm struggling physically. Yeah, but I can't handle it. Yeah, but I got daddy issues. Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't have a positive influence. Yeah, but i am come from a mixed, two, two different groups of mixed races together. Everybody hates me. And then maybe the most popular passage in all of 1 Timothy is Timothy 4.12. Paul says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. See, Timothy had an excuse. He was in his early 20s. Nobody's going to listen to me. Come on, man. I ain't no early 20s got any business running a church of thousands of people, especially with all the baggage I've got, especially with all that stuff that I got behind me. And every one of the excuses Paul called out said, you're not going to use that as an excuse. You're going to eliminate it. God did not give you a, a, a spirit of, of timidity. He didn't want you to be anxious or afraid of those things. God gave you a spirit of power and of love. And that's how you're going to live your life, Timothy. You're not going to hang your hat on excuses and not become the man that God's called and created you to be. 
And that's what you gotta have in a mentor relationship, somebody to affirm your gifts. Number two, somebody to help you eliminate the excuses. And, and number three, I, I hate that we have to say this, but it's lacking in our culture. Number three, Paul had to tell Timothy, you need to be a man that prioritizes character. A man that prioritizes character. First Timothy 4, 16, keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who, who hear you. And in this book, in this text, Timothy's talking about how the world is going sideways. Like everybody's saying weird stuff about everything and weird beliefs and, and like they're going off the rails on, on a lot of these things and that's where they're, they're going and that's where they're believing and, and, and Timothy's kind of getting overwhelmed with how crazy the world has been and Paul steps in and reminds him in the midst of that you need to make sure you're a man that prioritizes character here's how he he finishes it up he says but you Timothy you are a man of God I know everybody else is going off the rails they're saying stuff they're doing stuff they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing they're running from God Timothy that is not you you are going to prioritize character You are going to be a man of God. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal value to which God has called you, which you have been declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate that you would obey his commands without wavering then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I tell this to our staff all the time, man. Your life will only go as far as your character takes it. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how connected you are. I don't care how many friends you got. I don't care how rich you are. Your life will only go as far as your character will take it. Presidents have been impeached, not because they weren't great leaders, not because the majority of the country didn't vote for them, but because their leadership only went as far as their character would take it. Athletes have been kicked off of teams and thrown into jail, and it wasn't because they couldn't catch a football. It wasn't because they weren't the fastest person on the field. It was because their life only went as far as their character would take it. Shoot, man, pastors. You hear about pastors having moral failures. It wasn't because they couldn't preach a good sermon. It wasn't because they couldn't gather a bunch of people across all campuses. It's because their life would only go as far as their character would take it. In a culture that is screaming, do whatever it takes to be successful. Do whatever it takes to get to the top. You need someone speaking into your life that says, it is not worth your character. It is not worth your reputation. Nothing is worth that. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. And Timothy was being told by his mentor, Paul. He said, hey man, I don't care what everybody else does. I don't care what they're doing, what kind of get rich quick schemes they have. You, Timothy, are gonna be a man of God. You're gonna have high character. You're gonna be a man of integrity. And hold on to that, keep that. If it costs you your reputation and character, then it's not worth it. The price is too high. Fourth thing, uh, jot this down. Fourth thing that great mentors do. If you want to look for an apprentice, this is what you're going to have to do. Um, You're going to make constant transfers. 
You're going to make constant transfers, things from your life, and you're transferring them to the life of the one that you're mentoring. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, you've heard me teach things, like you've heard me say things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will then be able to pass them on to others. In that one verse, you see, you see four generations. He said, Paul has taught Timothy, you have heard what I've said. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that and share it with your friends so that your friends that can then share it with others. Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. So here's Jesus, he's the mentor, and here's Paul, the apprentice. And then there's Paul, the mentor, and Timothy, the apprentice. And Timothy, you're gonna have people in line after that. You need people that you're investing in and and pouring into, and you're gonna have to make constant transfers. Uh, When I was in middle school, my dad opened up my first bank account for me. And uh, so he opened up this checking and savings account, but he linked it to his account so that he could monitor, like, my account. Uh, and, and occasionally, like, if there was something that I wanted to do, then my dad would transfer some money out of his account to, to my account. And it stayed like this, even, like, I had the same account through college, and my dad, he used to flip it on me. And we would joke about this, like, I would come home for college, and he would ask me, he'd say, Nathan, you owe me any money? Because I can just transfer it out of your account. Like I still got the code and everything. I still got the password. Like our, our accounts are linked. And like to this day, I will ask, even though like I don't, I don't even have that account anymore. Like when I go and see my dad to this day, I'm walking out to the car to leave. And he's like, you owe me any money? Because I can transfer it. I just swap it from, from one account <laughs> to the other. My entire life, my dad was a mentor of mine, made deposits. He made transfers into my account. And that's what Paul is doing here to Timothy. I'm making a transfer from my account to your account. My, my equity, my, my relationships, my knowledge, I'm taking a little bit what I have and I'm gonna put it into your account and you're gonna take that and you're gonna, you're gonna pass it down and then they're gonna pass it down and, and that's how it works. It's just this constant life of transfers. Everything I have, everything I know, however I can help you, I'm gonna take it, withdraw it and transfer it into your account. That was what Paul spent his entire life withdrawing from his account and investing in others. Last thing is, is this, uh, if you have an apprentice, uh, it's your responsibility to set the pace. Set the pace, number five. 2 Timothy 3.10 says this, but you, Timothy, you certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Paul looks at his apprentice, this protege, and he begins to set the pace for Timothy to follow. He said, you saw how I loved, right? Love like that. Do you see how I suffered and how I I stayed close to God? That's how you need to suffer. Do you see everything about my life, my attitude, my actions, how I responded, all of that, Timothy? Paul was just setting the pace. Uh, last year, I ran a half marathon. And uh, I know that's surprising by looking at me. Uh, I got more of like a 5K body than a half marathon. Possibly even a, a one-mile fun run body. Some of y'all might look at me and say, yeah, he looks like a guy that would run to one one-mile fun run with the kids. Um, at the end but I decided I'd run this half marathon I don't know why I didn't think about it I just did it just signed up for it 
And uh, so I show up, uh, I trained, sort of, and I show up the day of the race, and I notice there's, there's these guys at the starting line uh, all throughout the crowd, and it's two people, and they're wearing the same color shirt, and they got uh, Pacer written on the back. And they've got this, this little wooden dowel rod that they're holding up. It's like three or four feet up in the air, and there's a little flag at the top that has a time on it. And so I walked up to these two guys wearing these bright yellow Pacer shirts, and he was holding a flag that said 10 minutes. And I was like, what's the, what's the deal with the, with the flag? And y'all are dressed the same? Are y'all brothers? Like, did y'all do this on purpose? What? And he said, no, we're, we're the pace setters. And we are going to run this half marathon at 10 minutes a mile. And so anybody in the crowd that wants to run it at 10 minutes a mile, all you got to do is stay right with us. And they had these pace setters every 30 seconds. So they had one group that was going to do it at 9.30 a mile, one at 9, one at 8.30, one at 8, one at 7.30, one at 7. And so I walked all the way up to the 7, introduced myself. It was really crowded up there, so I, I didn't want to be in the crowd. So I got back to the 10. I just decided that's probably, probably what I would do. Because that was my goal. I was going to run it under 10 minutes. Under 10 minutes a mile, it'd be great, great to finish the half marriage, just to finish, praise God. And so that's where I stayed. And the whole time I ran, and that's what Paul is saying here. He says, all right, Timothy, I'm, I'm the pace setter. I got the flag right here. We're going to run this race of life. If you want to know how to love, follow me. If you want to know how to serve, follow me. If you want to know how to make decisions, follow me. You want to know how to follow Jesus, follow me. You want to know how to suffer well, follow me. Just keep your eyes on the pace setter. And that's what Paul did. And that's what we have the opportunity to do today. We have the opportunity to set the pace for those around us, to encourage, to, to build up, to see people that maybe, like they're just maybe one or two steps behind us. And we can just say, hey, watch me. Whether you're a coach or a teacher or, or, or a parent or, or maybe just a big brother or sister for someone else in your life, you've got the opportunity to set the pace. So that's how God designed it. All these relationships have a purpose. He wanted us to not only help others to grow, but, but to, to be dependent on other people in our lives to help us grow as well. So I don't know where you are in, in your squad goals, who you have and who you're missing, but who you surround yourself with matters, matters. They can either help you and push you to become the man or the woman that God has called and created you to be, or they're gonna push you further away. And so think about this and how you can take your next steps this morning and maybe picking up an apprentice, maybe being a mentor for someone else to help their life to, to get on a track towards them understanding who Jesus is and making a decision to follow him. There's so many opportunities around us, even within our church, our, our kids ministry. You want, you want an apprentice? Jump in on our kids ministry. There's kids down there that would love to have a big brother, a fun uncle, to teach them about life and to help them take their next steps in their relationship with Jesus. Man, you want to have a blast? Show up here on a Wednesday night. Crash the party at student ministry. Man, there there are some teenagers in that room that would love to have an investment, love for someone to kind of put them underneath their wing and teach them how to follow Jesus and and move forward with that. We got student ministries across all three campuses. Hey, you, you looking for an adult? Why don't you join a small group? Our small groups are led by, by mentors, people that, that want to invite people in their home and, and say, hey, I'll hold the flag up and I'll, I'll, I'll help set the pace if you want to run behind me. Come, come and join the race.
so many different ways that you can make an impact. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Just ask God right now. Just say, God, who is someone in my life that I could invest in? Who's someone that I could help? Just like these teachers are going to help these students that walk into that classroom tomorrow that may be struggling, that may be hurting, that may be broken, that may be motherless or fatherless, that have a crazy home. Who can I help? Who can I pour into? Who can I invest in? Who can I love on? Who can I encourage in this life? God, use my life. Would you just ask God right now, who would that be? Just ask him to, to bring a, a mind, bring a, a, a name to your, to, your, to your heart. Bring a face to your, to your mind right now. And then just be obedient to whatever God tells you to do. Trust that he's got someone in store for you that, that he wants you to help and invest in and take advantage of the squad goals of having someone below you. Can I pray for you? God, thanks for the life of Paul to be able to learn from from him. But God, thank you for Timothy for preserving this book. Uh, A guy that had a thousand excuses as to why he couldn't be used, but you used him anyway. Uh, God, thank you for the obstacles that he overcame, for the, the transfers that were made into his life. Uh, for someone that was setting the pace. Uh, God, I pray that you would just create in in us a a sense of humility that would understand that we need someone like that in our life as well, someone to help set the pace, to encourage us, to push us to become the people that you've created us to be. So God, whatever next step that you'd have for us right now, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment to do what we need to do and respond appropriately to what we just heard today. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.